I'm Taffer. I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time, today and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So today we've got um, a fun little summer romance book coming our way um, deep in the fall, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not I'm not upset about it. Um, this week we read Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson, which is a story by a best New York Times bestselling author, let's be honest, um, which is the story of Nala, um, a fat, black, half Jamaican young lady um, who, uh, in the, during the summer between junior and senior year of high school, um, sort of falls for an activist type. And I guess uh, every, every summary uh, about it just basically goes like, and then she learns that she must fall in love with herself. And I think that that really is the best way of putting it. Like, I don't want to undersell or oversell it. It really just is a story about a young lady falling in love with herself and discovering that she is a-okay being who she is. And that was really an interesting, it was really interesting read. How'd you feel about it, Tepper? Um, it was lighter than I expected, which was a pleasant surprise, actually. I was like... I don't know. I was expecting it to be like a little more intense uh, in terms of the Mm -hmm. self-love because like so often when we see journeys of self-love, it's like real bad and then gets better. And I really enjoyed that with this one. It's, It's light. It's very light. It's sort of like she's she's a little insecure and she has to figure out how to be a little less insecure. Um, Yeah. And it's nice to have, again, like this is something that keeps coming up, especially with books published in 2021. I don't know if it's because like the authors just know we need this right now. Um, But just to have these like very low conflict books, like not that there is no conflict in this. There is conflict in this. But the conflict is all like fluffy it's fluffy and the conflict is all fairly gentle and fairly easily resolved and that was very pleasant uh i read this in an evening because i procrastinated very hard um (laughs) and you can read this in an evening is what i discovered well i can read this i read quickly but um it's a nice it would probably be i think a daytime read for most people like if you had a weekend day to just sit down and plow through it i think most people could yeah i agree with that (laughs) this is a very much a like well i don't know like in the orchard under an apple tree kind of uh very saccharine like sweet um it's it's uh, it's highly inoffensive although it, it actually touched a couple of close per like uh, some some stuff that on my docket i guess (laughs) um Mm -hmm. with uh the fact that okay so 
the story starts when uh, Nala goes uh, to her cousin Imani's birthday. Imani, by the way, character that we don't see enough of, and I would have liked to get a bit more on her relationship with Nala throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go to like some event, and um, Nala sort of falls, you know, immediately in love and like reciprocal love with uh, this young man uh, who's an activist. And she begins to sort of lie in order to appear as like activisty as he might want. Mm-hmm. And and that's a really interesting thing because I think that when we think about Nala's character, like she's a character who comes from a certain amount of trauma, like challenging familial relationships. She doesn't live with her parents. You know, she the the elders of her family are the ones who are the closest to her, but who live in assisted living and things like that. Learning to be okay with who you are, like in the context of relationships and within like social justice movements. And, you know, it it made me think back to like all the moments where I've wondered, am I queer enough? Mm. Am I black enough? Am I like, I mean, even, you know, being in a larger body, am I fat enough to take up space and to, to be okay in, standing on my soapbox and asking for equity and justice mm-hmm. sort of thing. So so that and that made it a bit of a harder read for me in all honesty because I I I understood this character in a very close and personal way and made me really frustrated with her. Um but I think it just made me really frustrated with my younger self maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I also identified with her character uh in the sense of like being a bit of a social chameleon to try and win love um which is really like what her character is and you know she just wants love she wants connection and she doesn't really understand that that's not something you win by doing things you know that's just something that that will come to you i actually I i was glad to have you on this one because a as you said, a large portion of this book is about community organization, which is something that I think you have, like, maybe a little bit of experience in. Um, I may have dabbled <laughs> in the world of community organizing. Maybe for, like, a, <laughs> for a decade years. or two. <laughs> <laughs> and what I really appreciate about the depiction of this community organization... Now, this book was released in 2021. We're going to do our best to avoid spoilers on this one, but... Um, yes. There's a community organization that is central in in the plot. It's how Nala and Tai meet each other. It's the catalyst to Nala and Amani's uh, conflict. But um, like most community organizations, it's kind of a mess, and it's kind of yep. written written unflinchingly as the mess it is. Like they haven't figured out how to reach the demographic they're co- trying to reach, and they have like a lot of activists but not very many like event planners and a lot of like a lot of spirit and not a whole lot of planning um and it was really satisfying to read an organization that that seems like a real organization like some of the organizations I have worked with and has some of the problematic elements of how a lot of these organizations will use youth as their manpower uh, 
even though they're like doing a good thing and their heart's in the right place right and just like the general Mm -hmm. lack of focus they haven't figured out what their like main initiative is um I just thought that was cool. I, I thought it was cool to see a like real messy community organization because most of the ones I have seen are real messy. Oh yeah, yeah. and 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 me too. And and some of the ones I've run uh, were real messy, <laughs> not for lack of trying. I think that the, the the challenging thing with with community organizing is that it's often replacing uh, a role that dare I say daddy state should be playing mm-hmm. um, and and it is really nice to see that because when you bring people together who have a cause a, a, a neighborhood uh, an identity you name it like uh, that is central to them and you ask them to uplift in community you're going to have differing perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I I think using an example from the queer community, like this past year, there were a lot of questions from like maybe younger uh, LGBTQ members uh, about not wanting to see any kink at Pride because yes. they don't believe that they've consented to, uh, you know, to, to, to being aware of that. And older communities kind of saying like, no, this is not it. <laughs> like, I, I see, I see your point. This is not a question of consent. This yeah. is a question of understanding your roots and and the fights that have come mm-hmm. along, um, and that give you the opportunity to now stand and say, like, well, I don't want to see that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and you've got to find middle ground, and you've got to find a way for everybody to feel valued and recognized in those spaces so yeah it is totally the battle between moderates and progressives um and i think that i think that that's okay because that's also how we move things right Mm -hmm. you've got to be able to 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 have people who are and i'm only talking about the left right now because i i this obviously does not apply to the right because uh, violence (laughs) But in more progressive circles, like, I mean, it's important to have people who are bringing in ideas from more Marxist uh, perspectives, well, who are able to, like, hold intersectional ideas at the same time. And in order to move the pendulum a little bit further away, especially as we realize that, like, the main source of all of our problems is capitalism. So that was a lot of political thinking for <laughs> for this moment <laughs> I, but yeah so 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 that's the importance of of community organizing and having those 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 differing perspectives but you always need a moderator mm-hmm. you need you need someone there who can help and I actually found that um Nala's grandmother is kind of a great was, was a great character for that I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to say one of the points I was going to make is I love the role of elders in the book and I love the kind of we see the community organization doing work and we also see the old folks home doing work Mm. and family Mm -hmm. doing work and community networks doing work but especially in the old folks home and um, you were saying there's sort of this balance between more progressive and more moderate but I would say in this book it's not even necessarily moderates and progressives, it's just activists and people who are less naturally inclined to be activists in the same way. That's true. Because, like, I don't think Nala, I mean, 
I don't think Nala likes being told what to do by her cousin. And I think a lot of the like responses we see are kind of a reaction to that more than a reflection mm-hmm. of her values. But I don't think Nala necessarily like disagrees with any of the points that that the organization is making or that Amani is getting into. It's just not her thing. But we do see her like her thing is being really involved with her grandmother and the elder community and doing things there. And it's funny because one of her like big lies is that she works at the old folks home. Yes. Uh, and like volunteers Which in a she formal capacity. If we're being honest. Well, and that's the thing. That's the funny thing is that she yeah. actually does all the set things that she's saying she does. It's just not a formalized position. And yeah. I do really think that if she had just said, oh, no, I don't really have time for a summer job because I spend a lot of time with my grandma at her nursing home, Ty would have been like, oh, that's really cool. Like, community and family organization is really important, too. But, like, you know, we get in our heads about stuff. We really do. We More than anything, we get in our heads about who we're supposed to be. Because I think that that's like, that's the lovely aspect of this story is that it is like, I mean, Nala is a complex character who's insufferable at times, <laughs> um, especially if you have any point of relation to her. But at the same time, like, I think it's important that this journey is depicted of like, being okay with being truthful about what our boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And what you know like what implication and investment can look like at different levels Mm -hmm. and in different ways like I think someone not being on front lines screaming um, at a protest does not mean that they're any less of an activist than anyone who uh, is maybe doing more one-on-one stuff or who is doing behind the scenes work and who isn't taking up space uh, with a bullhorn or anything like that so so yeah I like that that's a very good point yeah I found it very timely Because there is, I mean, these have been obviously years of quite a lot of activism and quite a lot of organization for obvious and Uh necessary reasons. And there's a lot of very good activism going on. And we are in the middle of a full-blown, like, global labor strike, which I hope everybody recognizes for as significant as it is. But there was some, so I found that this book that is kind of a critical look at, okay, is your activism effective or is it performative? And is your um. activism ineffective or is it just not like as visible um, was really nice because especially with it being for young people, especially with it being a young adult book. Um, yeah. There's something about this dynamic of youth organizations where you have a mm-hmm. couple of adults kind of running the scene and setting the tone and calling all the shots. And then you have the teenagers doing all the work. That sometimes is a supportive and productive environment and sometimes is a really exploitative environment. And I really appreciated having, I don't think like this one is either of those things. I think it's a community organization doing its best. But I liked having this lens of just kind of, but what's the work you're doing? The work you're doing might be really good. And the work you're doing might be really impacting your community. And you've got to give credit to that. And not everybody has to be wearing a graphic T-shirt and going to a protest. Um, Like you said, you know, your activism may be getting to know all your grandmother's friends and undoing a bit of the fascism in their home. Although it's... Yeah. and, And also you might discover that it's not you who has to undo the fascism because 
they're adults who are capable of doing it themselves. Teffer, do you realize that we're the adults who have to undo fascism? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I realize this poignantly. I find that really hard to handle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been <laughs> I feel so- slightly neglected by my, my grown-ups. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's it's been, um, I mean, having kids obviously like puts that into my into perspective for me. Uh, as I know, like having having nieces and nephews does as well. But for me, because I work in a university and I work with youth, uh-huh. uh, it's been very interesting to kind of see. I'm like a decade out of university now and to see like, oh, they're doing these things and they're having these ideas and they have this energy and passion that I remember having. And our rules yeah. are very different now. Like we have different societal functions now. We do. Um, and we have different responsibilities now. And I'm kind of like, I'm into it, though. I'm like, I'm into it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I keep drafting letters to join the revolution, um, but mm. I just don't know where to send them. So we shall see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but there's a lot to be said for just like influencing the people around you I mean you know this because you have two decades of activism work so I don't know why I'm saying this like it's news Um, but maybe our listeners don't Um, exactly it's Sunday morning (laughs) should we talk I'd like to talk about the cover of this book for a moment it's so pretty isn't it amazing it's like one not enough neon green covers amen not enough neon greens like I know that the 90s are back in style so like neon colors can come back and I'm not I'm really not upset about this okay there's a cat who might want to sit on my laptop sorry Tom oh hello thank you for the boop yes oh hi oh yes you need affection okay we've got a (laughs) kitty cat co-host today yes um yeah and um I also love the depiction of a fat young woman Mm -hmm. because holy crap like we don't get to see a lot of like full body drawings of a fat character uh, who looks like people I know. Heck, she kind of looked like me. Like it's nice. It was yeah. really pleasurable to look at and to to take in. And I mean, we don't. This is like a problem. People were talking about this with like one of Adele's new covers, like magazine covers. Like we don't see full body pictures of fat people at all. Period. Unless mm-hmm. someone makes it happen. Um, not just on cover art, but like fucking anywhere, um, <laughs> which has been slowly starting to change in recent years. But yes, it's really nice to see. And she's there, not full body, not once, but five times in different postures mm-hmm. and from different angles. Yeah. And I love that she's desired for her fatness as yeah. well. And I think that that's a really nice shift in narrative where like she doesn't have a desire to be thin. like no, her she- story is not about being fat and black um yeah. which is really freaking exciting like yeah. those are just descriptors and do they shape her identity sure but it's nice to be reminded that like oh yeah being fat isn't a bad thing it is just a thing about someone mm-hmm. and you can be desired for it mm-hmm. and you can be desired for it when you're young. It's mm-hmm. not just something that happens after you hit your 30s or something. Like, this is just once we destigmatize it, you kind of realize, like, oh, yeah, there are just 
good looking people. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> also, beauty is subjective. So, like, everyone is beautiful. Yay. Yeah. I really, <laughs> I really loved that her fatness was not her insecurity. Like, this is yeah. a book about an insecure fat girl, but she's not insecure about being fat. Yeah. That is, like, has that ever happened? <laughs> Have we ever gotten that? Um, no. I think no, maybe I don't Faith think we've read by one Julie like Murphy yet. does that. But that's a white girl. Yeah. Yeah. And even it gets touched on a couple of times. Like, at one point, she starts talking about insecurity, and then she, she like, realizes Ty is assuming she's talking about her body. And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I know I am hot. <laughs> like, it's this other part yeah. of me that I'm self-conscious about. Um, that was just such a refreshing moment. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's just, we need more of this. Let's, let's, let's take like a little five second, like representation matters break. Mm-hmm. Like representation is important. And this is why it's important yeah. because this is like, I think this book reads as a younger YA novel. Um, I think it's pretty accessible to yeah. to like those just stepping out of middle grade. Like this is, this is a good one, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the next step will be to take over middle grade books with this kind of rhetoric as well. Like this is what we want. We want this message to be, just a part of the messaging that folks receive yeah. their entire lives like hey you're worthy you're hot you're 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 fun you your body is definitely not everything you're about yeah. and let's celebrate that mm-hmm. um yeah i i really dig this and i'm excited to see what comes from it i guess now i want to take a second and talk about like ty and the actual romance storyline mm. Mm-hmm. Which I felt was fine. <laughs> you know, like the way I feel about Ty is like if my kid came home and was dating Ty, I'd be like, yeah, he's a nice boy. You know, he didn't like yeah. bowl me over. He's unremarkable. He didn't impress me. I was just kind yeah. of like, OK, well, she's having fun. You know, what about him? What about him didn't impress you? Like um, what? What? What made you have a reserve, a reservation? It's, reserve. It's, it's not know, even that I have a reservation about him in particular, because uh, I think he seems like a great kid who is like thinking about things actively and growing and learning, and that's really great. It was more that I didn't. Um, maybe it was like a lack of chemistry. I didn't feel like they like sparked. I felt like it was like a mm-hmm. nice journey. It was the kind of thing where I was like, but I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing. I think that it mm. is cool to have like some chill relationships <laughs> represented Some light in and books. fluffy romance, yeah. Well, it's light and fluffy romance and it's also just like not very high stakes romance. Like mm. the relation, it's like a summer romance. It's like what, a couple of months. They meet each other. They like each other. They start hanging out a lot. It's not super angsty, uh, except for the issue where she's lying to him and he really doesn't like being lied to, um, <laughs> which I guess is significant. But they're not, they're not having any big, like, I've never felt this way about anybody before conversations or like That's angsting true. about having sex or like they're just like hanging out and kissing. I I I think I I think I just like it dawned on me it's I, because Ty is a placeholder, 
Yeah. Like their relationship is really just like a tool for her to get to her own personal relationship with herself. So it's true. That's why it's so much lighter and fluffier. And like to a certain extent, it's not really important. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's like, like he's, he is not doing any harm. He is making her happy. That is great. I do not believe that these two are going to stay together for the whole school year. And I also don't believe that either of them is going to be too heartbroken about it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, that they're moving on to bigger and better things. But like, that's an aspect of coming of age stories that I think often gets uh, neglected. Yeah. Because we fall into these tropes of like younger, young adults having these very adult relationships that are very invested and committed to the degree of like people who are twice their age. And, it is okay for relationships to not all be significant. And it is okay for relationships to not all be earth shattering, Mm -hmm. life changing events. And yeah, there's something about, there's something about giving space to those relationships because, and I think that the fact that that relationship was sort of like, whatever like I don't mean whatever in the sense that it's not good it's just in the sense that it's not super important made me crave for more of a relationship between Nala and Imani yeah because I was like oh this guy's not her person oh I think her cousin is her person but we're not diving too deep into this because this is supposed to be like a light fluffy summer romance Mm -hmm. so we're not going to go and investigate too much uh the friendship and the 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 filiation aspect with with Imani. So mm-hmm. so I think that that might be the like that might be one little like ho hum thing mm-hmm. that I wish had been developed a bit more. But at the same time, like as a whole, it's 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 great as it is. I think it's just a little wish that I had that the friendship aspect was explored a bit more because mm-hmm. coming of age should include developing strong ties to other people your own age or in your social circle your social network outside of your family outside of like the person that you want to kiss and have sex with if that's what you want those friendships are also important those other relationships are are crucial in our development and sometimes we forget that we forget that aspect yeah, I agree. I also would have liked to see uh, the relationship with Amani just just get a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, more more in their feelings about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because there was some resolution, but it did feel a little bit glossed over. I want to just go back to something you were saying real quickly, because like um, about how not every relationship has to be a huge sweeping relationship and I would even argue that like these little transitional relationships like this one that's kind of how I think of them of like this is a relationship that lasted a few months but it was an important time for me and it affected me um and like I'm gonna have a little kind of special feeling towards this person even though I don't think they're my person or anything like those can be life-changing you know those can be like earth-shattering moments of realization even if the person themselves is not earth change earth shatter earth changing earth shattering and and transformative um and i think that like that's the nice thing with this relationship is it, it shows that people can hold important roles in your life 
without being like your Romeo who you kill yourself for. Uh, God forbid. You can have a like perfectly nice, friendly relationship with somebody that also changes your life because it helps you learn something about yourself and then part ways and not really think about them ever again. And that relationship <laughs> is that relationship is still really valuable. The impact of that relationship is still really valuable. Um, and they are still somebody who played an important role in your life, even if you don't carry a torch for them through the years, you know. And I think that is a, a, a nice and important thing to have represented because I think the majority of high school relationships are like that, frankly. <laughs> the majority of high school relationships are about figuring your own shit out. I mean, I would posit that all relationships are about figuring your shit out ultimately. Yeah, that's a good like, point. and I think that even <laughs> no, but it, it's because it even made me realize, like, you know, earlier on, I was talking about like you know, Nala realizing that Ty maybe isn't her person. And even that notion of, like, having a person is so steeped in, like, very much, like, you know, romance elevator kind of situation, or escalator, rather, where, like, you know, you meet someone and your ultimate goal is to get to marriage, white picket fence, 2.1 children and a yellow Labrador kind of thing. Um, You know, those are those are fundamentally ideas that we have to deconstruct and that yeah. we have to be okay with accepting the fact that you know some people don't have people yeah and they are just as valid and amazing and awesome yeah. but i will admit that is hard to digest well and i would <laughs> say of course the first thought is am i one of those people <laughs> and i remember that no but still i would say the majority of people frankly do not have their one person you know uh, like if we're talking about the Grey's Anatomy concept of your person I would argue that like yeah most of us don't have one person that we put all of our emotional needs and desire for growth on because that is a really big ask of one single person Um, I think most of us have a handful of people who we distribute our needs among and go to for different things and ask for different things. And I do think that dismantling that ideology that in order to feel romantic towards somebody, in order to have a stable and lasting relationship with somebody, you need to be working towards a very, like, heteronormative, monogamous relationship paradigm. I can't remember how I started this sentence, but deconstructing that can probably only do you good because people live in communities and we need a lot of people. And if you try to have one person be your end-all, be-all for all your emotional support, you're both going to burn out. And then you end up with the yucky dramatic breakups like in Grey's Anatomy, where nobody has apparently heard of polyamory. Oh, my God. Okay. Grey's Anatomy is still trying to figure out race, let's be honest. Like, (laughs) polyamory is not. And and I'm okay with them not necessarily including polyamory quite yet, because I don't think that... um, can necessarily be brought in in a way that'll be palatable for the masses quite yet. They'll bring it in um, with a patient. But I think, yeah, that's it. Maybe like season 20, uh, which is not that far away. Well, I think for me, for me, my, my little bitterness there is that I 
root hard for this is way back in Grey's Anatomy lore, but for the Ka- Cali Arizona Mark Thruple, that's my little Polly Cannon. That never was. I like that. That's a very good point. Yeah, they would have been a great a good... thruple. I don't think Cali and Arizona been. would have broken up. Yeah, I didn't like that couple, anyways. If I'm being honest, no, I don't like Arizona um, very much. Me neither. Yeah. Um, but alas, alas. Um, <laughs> All right. So shall we get back to the book? Yeah, let's let's come back to the. <laughs> I'd like to maybe touch on the hair aspect a little bit. Yes, please. Because I think that uh, within the black community, that's a pretty big thing. And yeah, Nala goes through a hair journey uh, in order to prove her activism to a certain extent. And that was really interesting. And I, I have complicated feelings about it because I'm also, uh, I have very complicated a very complicated relationship to my hair mm. um, because natural hair is, a lot of work and natural hair is also um it doesn't all look like big ringlets and <laughs> you know folks with like all this like exceptionally beautiful textured hair and and all of that and i love that hair really is used as a marker for like internalized racism to a certain extent uh and and i i, I would probably pause it all the way to like internalized misogynoir mm-hmm. um because you know, hair is always described as like this like beacon of femininity and and all of that. And when your hair just doesn't fit into the model, like into the 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 European like Eurocentric standard of beauty, then not having hair is sometimes or anyways for me was very much a moment of like giving a middle finger to 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 the patriarchy. But right. But going from like transitioning into more natural hair and this sense of like standing in your full Afro-ness and all of that is really interesting and complex. And I really hope to see more of this theme explored um, in in novels in the years to come, because I think that we're touching on something that is deeply complex. I think that if you speak to, um, you know, Black, Black women or Black AFAB folks, like... the hair is a baggage, Mm -hmm. you know, from the torture of being braided, like having your hair braided constantly as a child and, and sometimes being made fun of for it or not. And, you know, your hair being commented on so frequently by community members, it's like a way of seeing if you're a well-kempt child Mm -hmm. um, is, is what your hair looks like. So yeah, I have a lot of deep and complicated feelings. And and I think, you know, I, th- I thought it was well explained in the book. I think that thinking about that really showed me that um, the author was thinking deeply about the issues of belonging mm-hmm. uh, for Black women. And I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I mean, I obviously do not relate to it as a Black person because I am not. But uh, yes. I did still find the reflection of personal growth in hair really nice even without you know understanding all the nuance that I don't but um, I really appreciate your points on it and it is nice thanks yeah well you're my hair chameleon friend let's be honest well I mean like yes I can relate to I'm having a crisis so I'm going to change my hair is what I mean by that. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. I love that completely. Um, which is which is kind of why I wanted to bring it up today. Yeah. There were no corsets to talk about, so I brought up hair. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to talk about mommy issues. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I feel like maybe this connection is not totally, totally teased out, but there's, like, definitely something about Nala's mother not being able to parent her in a traditional sense. Well, really in any sense. Mm -hmm. We don't really see her mother as a parent figure in her life. And to the point that she had to make the decision um, not to live with her anymore. And I feel like that is really, like, very much tied in the narrative as well as just, like, it's not too much of a stretch to her sort of trying to make herself into somebody lovable. And that nuance of the story, like, we've talked about this being really light and flush, flushy, fluffy, fluffy, light. Flushy. <laughs> we've talked about this being really light and fluffy, uh, but there is that sort of undercurrent that I like where Nala's insecurity is explained by the fact that she had to find a new place to belong and like yes she has been working really hard to like quote unquote earn that place because she is worried that she doesn't belong there um mm -hmm. and that's really heartbreaking but also like was not handled in a deep trauma way which I also appreciate that was exactly what I was about to say is like yeah, but it's a fluffy read, so I think the goal was to not dive too deep into the trauma mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 100%. I think Nala's character is, she's a people pleaser. She fawns, uh, which is a trauma response, uh, where it's a trauma response mainly in, in uh, folks that are socialized female because that is our role mm. <laughs> is to is to to make sure that everyone is okay sort of thing um so so yeah i saw that I, I definitely read into that the same way as you did i was like oh her mom is unable to provide for her which is like your core adult when you are teeny tiny and unable to yeah. defend yourself um so yeah of course she's just trying to find that not substitute relationship and like this isn't like you know like psychoanalysis on like a little napkin like this is this is a pretty clear trope that that exists in a lot of books and is really valid um but it's also nice to not delve too deep into the trauma sometimes because sometimes folks aren't ready yeah and i think that you know in ya novels like i mean the reality is and like don't get me wrong we love the sweeping stories where like we can go deep like those are very satisfying books to read as adults who are doing the work on mm -hmm. our own trauma um but sometimes i wonder as young readers like some young readers aren't necessarily ready to examine trauma and and you know examining those things when you're not ready can be pretty violent on some folks yeah. um so so sometimes it's nice for it to be left in like wrapped up in a little with a nice little bow and simplified um and like one of those like hey maybe like if you want to dive deeper then you can go read a nick stone novel <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> And like, and, and like, you'll be crying in the first 30 pages, but it'll be a really beautiful experience in the long run. Indeed. Um. Indeed. You stir them with Renee Watson, you move on to Nick Stone when they're a little older. 
<laughs> but isn't that great though? Isn't that great that that yes. option exists now? Like, I just feel like yeah. every every new release we have reviewed this year, I've just been like, this is great. I'm so glad this yeah. is happening. I'm yeah. so glad this is and happening. And I mean, if, if we're being honest, the fact that, you know, we may skew towards authors of color or queer authors yeah i mean we like that's just our explicit thing now that's a thing we do you know i think i think that really helps us fall on stories that really kind of blow our minds because it's looking at the rubik's cube through like a beautiful prism of color that speaks to us so much within our own lives yeah absolutely I liked this book. I like this book as well. Like, it might not be, like, you know, top three books that I read this year, but I enjoyed this book. This, If you're going on vacation, yeah. now that the world seems to be reopening up, um, if you're, you're going to be sitting by a pool for a couple of hours, really, um, this is a great book for it. You know what I think it is about this book? I'm gonna Tell feel me. I'm gonna feel so silly saying this. I think this book is just really solidly written for teenagers. Yes. And and I would give this to a teenager in a heartbeat. And I think this is yes. maybe just one of the YA books that is like it's very much written on a teen level, so there's maybe slightly less there for adults. But like that's yeah. okay because it is a young adult <laughs> adult novel. Uh oh yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. And I would That's give, a very good point. I would give this to every single like fourteen year old, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. That is 100% who this book is written for. Younger, uh, younger teens who might be a bit precocious or, you know, who are starting to tackle and wrestle with big ideas. Yeah. I think that might be, that might be a great, uh, a great demographic for this book. Yeah. All right. Shall I wrap this up? Let's wrap this up. That was Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, please say hi. Send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast. And individually, I'm at tefferbear. And I'm at caddy underscore D. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. Yeah, get some. Get you can some. also support us. <laughs> you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe someone who uh, has some teens in their lives. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and it edited by Tom Zalatni. Hi, Tom, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye. Bye-bye. Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. 
Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. <laughs> Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.